have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and I have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight I will rise and give you thanks for your righteous laws. I am my friend. I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love. O oh Lord, teach me your decrees. Good stuff. Teach me your decrees. Okay, we have um, Saturday night, fall back. So don't forget to turn your clocks back and you can get an extra hour of sleep. And let's see here. Um, uh, okay, Anonymous is will, um, Pastor Silas has got some properties buying over in Kenya. He's got to make the full amount in two months or he loses everything that they put into it. That's how they do it over there. So he um, has $9,000 left and somebody is willing to match any gift up to $4,000. So if you want to give to Pastor Silas so that they can buy this piece of land for food, a food crop, um, uh, let me know. And I will tell you how we can get it to them. And that's, I've never had anybody do that before, but they're willing to give four thousand up to $4,000 of every gift that they receive hmm. or the, yeah. So uh, let me know if you, uh, that interests you. And then I thought I'd read this. I was supposed to read this on Sunday. And when I got home from church on Sunday, it was sitting in my printer. So I'll read it now. Uh, this is from Doug over in Ireland. He said, they heard Netanyahu's speech to Israel and the world tonight live just a few minutes ago. We were listening to France 2-4 doing the translation and the lady purposely misspoke and did a wrong translation of his speech. We know this because I went over to Sky News and backed up the speech and that translator got it right. I know the words for violence, God, and of course, salvation, uh, which is Yeshua. Netanyahu makes a prayer at the end of the speech and asks God for protection and victory and for salvation of the Jewish people. Well, the woman translator for France 24 said uh, he did not mention God, God or salvation, uh, but she spoke it as Netanyahu was going to give them the victory. And yet, I'm going to give you victory instead of asking God to do it. And that was going to bring salvation to Israel. We listened to it several times on Sky News and they got it right. And so there you go. Just, I'm glad that they were observant about that. And uh, if you want to get the straight scoop on what's coming out of uh, Israel, don't go to France 2-4, okay? Um, let's see here. We've got a commentary. Today must be the 2nd of November. The 2nd of November. So we're going to see what they have to say here. A city aflame. Citywide conflagrations. Con conflagrations. Yeah, conflagrations seldom happen today and having gone the way of the plague. But Christians of earlier eras often ministered and suffered amid such holocausts. Believers in Nero's day were unjustly blamed for Rome's <coughs> fiery destruction. 89 churches perished in London's 1666 fire. D.L. Moody lost virtually all of his property in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. But none of them exceeded the fire and fear that engulfed Canton during the days of Protestants' first missionary to China. Robert Morrison ministered in Canton despite the misgivings of the East India Company and the antagonism of the Chinese themselves. Yet he plodded on, finally baptizing his first convert after seven years of labor. 
On Friday night, November 1st, 1822, Morrison became aware of panic in the city. <clears throat> Fire starting in a baker's shop and dri driven by strong winds was roaring like a furnace through acres of crowded wooded houses. Crowded wooden houses. Multitudes fled into Syria. The East India Company's fire equipment was of little use, for the streets were clogged with fleeing humanity and the water supply was poor. Morrison, transfixed by the sea of flames, hurriedly penned a letter in Chinese before dawn on November 2, 1822, begging officials to pull down buildings in front of the fire to stop the inferno's advance. But the Chinese refused to even read his letter, though he took it to the governor in person. By 8 a.m., the flames consumed the city's manufacturing sectors. Shifting winds drove the fire along the riverfront westward for a mile and a half. Multitudes were killed, burned, or left homeless. Thousands of shops and houses were destroyed. It was the end of the world in miniature. Looters tried to beat the flames so... To, oh, I'm sorry, beat the flames to abandon valuables, and Morrison re recorded that 28 people were trampled while excuse me, scrambling for money after a robber cut open a man's cash-stuffed backpack. The missionary himself was relatively fortunate. He lost nothing of great value beyond 100 pounds of paper intended for a new edition of his translation of the New Testament. The earth came out of water and was made from water. Later it was destroyed by the waters of a mighty flood. But God had commanded the present heavens and earth to remain until the day of judgment. They will be set on fire, and ungodly people will be destroyed. 2 Peter 3. So there you go. Um, huh. uh, oh yes, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to come into your presence, and uh, we certainly uh, pray for the people of Israel during their time of uh, war that they're going through right now and the difficulties that are being faced in that area. And uh, we pray for... Uh, those who may be in harm's way that uh, will call on you on either side of this uh, conflict. We just pray that people will be saved through it so that uh, many will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And we thank you for the missionaries that are out there right now, even now, suffering in uh, locations where it is hostile to their word. And uh, we ask that you give them strength and keep them from harm and uh, just give them the ability to rise above such things that may come their way and to uh, bring a lot of people to Christ. Lord, uh, thank you for the chance to have this class, and thank you that uh, uh, we do have this opportunity, and we just pray that it will be handled properly and that you will be glorified through it. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> ah, reading that small letter, it's hard for me to do that. Uh, do you have a problem with that? Yes. Oh. Well, what happened last Sunday is I, I had a Oh, yeah, and you couldn't see. It's very hard to, you know, it's like, like you got letters that are going backwards and they're blurred and you're trying to figure out what the word is saying. and Squinting. Like, yeah, anyway. Um, let's see here. We're in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10. And I printed off all the final notes for the entire book yesterday. And so I've got it all the way through, what's that, 316, 3, last verse is 318. So we can make it a goal to get through all of them Let's today. Let's do that. Let's yeah. go. All right, we'll see if we can do it. All right, so I'm going to kill some time here and start back on 5 and go right, right up to 10. Here we go. Don't you remember that I was with you and I used to tell you these things? And now you know 
what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will, be, will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. 10. And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Okay, it says the same thing, but it's completely different. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Okay, well, let's see what we have here. Um, the words, and with all unrighteous deception, are tied into the previous thought. Paul had just said that when the Antichrist comes, it would be with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Along with that, he will bring, Paul's words, all unrighteous deception. The thought expands the previous three points. Everything about the Antichrist will be filled with unrighteous deception. In this, there is deceit being worked out, and that deceit is specifically for the purpose of committing unrighteousness. You know, I'm sitting here, and I can't help but say this. It reminds me so much of a particular party in the United States of America, and I'm sure it's the same in every single country around the world. There are people that are striving to do good, and they're obviously losers on both sides of the aisle, but there's one side of the aisle that is completely unrighteous, and all they do is deceive. You know, I was reading an article this morning about um, uh, how the things that they do, the tax breaks that they give, the uh, everything benefits the wealthy. It, it never helps the poor, ever, but they have geared their message to make people believe that they are helping the poor. Now imagine this on a global scale. This guy is going to come out and he's going to say, we're here to help. We're here to solve the problems. And everything he says is going to be pleasing to the ear. It's going to have people thinking, this is a great thing that's happening. What a, you know, top notch. And instead, it's going to lead people into utter chaos and utter disaster. Um, uh, reading an article maybe a week or two ago, um, millennials now believe that it is a good thing to have your phone tracked everywhere you go and that they can find out where you are in your own home at any time. They've actually got them believing these things, wow. that, that this is something that should happen. It's completely contrary, completely contrary to the idea of freedom that our founder said, that a person can set their own destiny, that a person can uh, be free from government intrusion, etc. But they have got the next generation totally convinced that this is a good thing. And they're going to use that against the people of the world. You know, we're right at the cusp of this. I, I think we it, already have it. Well, absolutely. But I'm saying that, you know, when it comes, it's going to be on a global scale yeah. where everybody is in this. And it, it's just going to be unbelievable. So we're seeing it in each individual country, but there's a time coming where it's going to be everywhere. It's going to permeate everything. I mean, we could say, well, we want this in America because it'll keep the Chinese out of our lives. Or we could say in Germany, we want this because it'll keep the Russians out of our lives. And so they get their foot in the door, and then all of a sudden when it becomes global, everybody is under one umbrella. So they're already used to it, and it doesn't matter anymore. So, so this God is using where we're evil for good 
this is how everyone will see the two witnesses. I guess, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going to precipitate their coming, but they're going to come and they're going to speak. And, and it, everyone will see it. Everyone will see it. Yeah, you know, I, I watch, I just, I've got one of the monitors that I use and I have it on all day on the Gaza camp. And I just watch as things happen there. You know, if missiles go out from Hamas, I know where they went from because you know I look up and there it is. You can see the trails, and mm -hmm. and uh, I can do this sitting at my desk in Sarasota, Florida. Right. And anybody anywhere in the world that has internet, which is 82% of the world probably, can do it. There's not a country that can't sit and watch what I'm watching at the right. exact same time I'm watching. Everybody can tune in. And so the two witnesses, when it says that the whole world will be able to see it, that used to seem improbable. And then we got TV and, you know, well, you could watch it and it's kind of that microwave. You remember how bad it was on like CNN, Dan rather reporting, and you're like trying to see them through these waves. And uh, all of a sudden we've got, you know, modern technology where TV is almost live. And now we've got internet where it is live. It's right there. Now, there is a delay. Uh, some internet will be delayed 30 seconds, some a little more or less, because I know this because they have, uh, at any given time, four or five cameras on Gaza. And I'll see a bomb come in and explode. And I know if I look at the other, there's four screens on one screen. I, if I look right over here, about five seconds later, I will see the same thing happen again. And so uh, there's different delays based on whatever server or whatever is going on out there. But I have come to know if there is a bomb landing here that I'll be able to watch it live again here. But the point is that you can, you can dupe the whole world live right now with whatever they have. And, you know, with the AI technology, this will be exponentially different in a couple of years exponentially. So um, read that again. It says, in this there is being deceit worked out, and that deceit is specifically for the purpose of committing unrighteousness. This is the Antichrist's ability. This is his goal. This is his aim. Total power, total control. This will be evidenced then among, Paul's words, those who perish. Okay? The people that are there that want to believe the deception, that are uh, a part of that, are going to perish. They're going to accept the mark of the beast. They're going to say that this is correct, that this is the wrong path, even though it's exactly the opposite. You know, take Isaiah's words, and they're going to apply exactly to the state of the earth. Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm watching the different things that people do every day when I check the news. And the same people that want to murder babies are the same people that are condemning Israel, are the same people that are, every, every bad stand that people take, they're the same people that have every bad stand. And they say that what they're teaching or what they're uh, you know, voting for or what their laws are, are good. Every single one of them that they are wicked. Every single thing that they stand for is wicked. And I, I, it, how can people not see that? I think to myself, how can people not see that? And yet there's an entire 50%, sometimes more, sometimes a little less, but right 50% of the people of this nation can't see it. And they, they keep voting for people that are increasing wickedness, okay? You know, it's like that, what's that lady's name, Pisaki, that used to be in the White House, and she comes out this week and says, this guy is bad because he's a Christian fundamentalist, meaning he believes in the fundamentals of scripture. That is bad. That is wickedness to them. 
Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. But that is exactly what they're doing. Okay. The house speaker. He's being barbecued by these people because he believes the Bible. It's, it, it, it's crazy. But this is where we are heading on a global scale. Okay. Um, you know, now people will take this verse and uh, uh, talk about the great deception and all that. And they say, well, that applies to everybody in the world. No, it does not. There is great deception right now, and it does not apply to everybody. There is called something called what in the uh, book of Revelation? The great white multitude okay you got you got close okay great white multitude where do you think they're coming from they don't just pop into existence all of a sudden and get martyred these are people that went through or going through the tribulation period they're going to give up their life for the sake of Christ so this is not an all pervasive uh, deception but it is going to be a big enough deception where the great white multitude will be the great white multitude they will be martyred and they will be given the garments of righteousness for their faith, okay? So, and I, I have to say this again. I know I said it two or three weeks ago, but there is a teaching that I've heard since I started reading the Bible that if you refuse the gospel now before the rapture, you can never be saved. You will never be saved during the tribulation period. I would like to tell you that that is insane, okay? That is crazy. Anybody that believes that does not understand a five-letter word grace. God's grace does not stop at the rapture. That is one of the stupidest teachings I've ever heard, and people write books about it, all right? There are probably movies about it. I know there are certainly preachers that preach it all the time when they get into end times things. That is untrue. If somebody has refused the gospel during their life, the only thing that matters is whether their mouth is still breathing in air and their heart is still ticking. And until the point that that stops, they have a chance for God's grace. So don't listen to that type of teaching. They take scripture, they manipulate it and twist it to the point where it is no longer the Bible, okay? If you wanna believe that type of theology, I feel very bad for you. God's grace has no end, okay? If you miss the rapture, you're gonna suffer. You're gonna suffer, that's all there is to it. But the grace of God does not end just because, it, it, bad theology. I won't go into it any further because I just get myself angry, but don't listen to people like that. Anyway, um, this will be evidenced among those who perish. This is speaking not of those who commit the deception, but of those who are the objects of it. They will be utterly deluded by the wiles of the Antichrist. Just think of these people that are out there in the world today following, you know, uh, the the wickedness in government in any given country, okay? And this isn't just something new, okay? Adolf Hitler came to power for a reason. Uh, he didn't just suddenly take over. He had a big, strong base behind him, and he had the, the uh, expectations of most of the German people behind him, okay? So we can't say that this is something that it's just an end times thing. This is something that has been going on all along in human history because the human heart, as Jeremiah says, is desperately wicked, okay? It's just going to go from an individual state here and there that has a problem and then gets destroyed like Germany and has to be rebuilt. It will become an entire global entity, okay? So they'll be deluded by the wiles of the Antichrist. Instead of looking for God, they will have their eyes fixed on this person, on the Antichrist, the one who most wholly manifests and embodies Satan. 
okay? Um, I cannot, for the life of me, understand. I know what the reason is, but I cannot understand the stand that people take continuously. It's growing in this nation exponentially, like that lady Pisaki. Every single thing that uh, is based on wickedness comes, look at the initial premise of what they are believing. The initial premise is either I hate God or I don't believe in God and I hate the God that I don't believe in. That is all it is. And they want to completely eradicate his name from every, and it doesn't matter anymore. It's to the point where it doesn't matter if it's the Christian God or, you know, another God. The Christian God, though, however, is the, the main problem. And the reason why is because no other God on this planet has fulfilled prophecy. No other God on this planet has kept his word because he doesn't have a word. He's a false God. But the Christian God is validated because of the people of Israel. He's validated because of the morals of the people that rightly follow him. He is validated in that way. And people don't want that. Every, the basis of every decision that these people make is not, it comes back to a hatred of God. Okay, that's why we have evolution. We don't want to believe that God created. That's why we have abortions, because we do not want to believe that human life is sacred, because these are values that are instilled in the God of the Bible. So uh, everything ultimately comes back to a rejection of God, and that's why they're going to accept the Antichrist, is because he is the epitome of rejecting God. Um, instead of looking for God, they will have their eyes fixed on this person who most wholly manifests and embodies Satan. They will believe the lie and they will be condemned for it. As Paul says, says of them, and here's Paul's words, because they did not receive the love of the truth. Now, if you want to know the words love and truth, probably more than any other book in the Bible, you would go to 1 John. Okay, he he speaks of love, truth, light. He, he's got these themes going through his writings. And uh, it, the book of John, 2 John and 3 John are all in the same genre, but 1 John is really filled with this concept. So the love of the truth, Paul's words, is speaking of the gospel of Christ, which alone can save the soul. Uh, this morning, I you know always try to do a fun life video and uh, I haven't done one for a while because I've been very busy, but um, uh, a guy that I know, he attends online and we talk a lot. He uh, uh, took one of the closing sections that I did on a sermon just before we uh, uh, read the closing verse. I always talk about Jesus and he took that and he made it into a video some time ago. And he, I'd forgotten that he had did, done that. He had done that, he said, can I do this and put it on my web? Yes, you can. And then, um, I thought, you know, I want to do a, take that same information that he did, and instead of, uh, uh, you know, doing a life video, I want to put it, I want to sneak it into the life video playlist, so that if there's somebody that watches the life videos that doesn't know Jesus, but they know me, like the people at 7-Eleven will watch my life videos, maybe they'll click on that and they'll see the gospel. And so, um, uh, you know, we got to get the word out to people. The love of God and the truth of God is what will save a person. And so I, you know, I just, when he sent me that for a reason this morning again, I thought, 
you know, I ought to take that and do it. And so I couldn't even remember what sermon I had done this for. So he told me which sermon it was in and I took it and cut it out, took all about one minute to make the video and uh, uploaded it today. But I'm hoping that some of the people that watch the, these life videos and nothing else will wanna watch that and find out about Jesus. Um, you know, and then I, I always, it's good, unless people attend streaming online, it's good that we no longer have the prophecy updates on YouTube. Because as much as it has brought people into the church, it's also chased people away from the church. Because a lot of people don't like to hear about that kind of stuff. And so uh, now that it's separated and I upload those to Rumble only, um, you know, it, it gives people a chance to maybe hear just the message without, you know, oh, what is that? And they say, well, boy, I don't like his politics at all or whatever. Mm. Um, and that's good. But if they're streaming online, they got no, you know, they're going to see it. Right. But, uh, uh, yes. you know, like I said, the, doing the updates is fun. It's informative. But at the same time, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So the fact that that's uh, separated, I think, is a good thing. At first, I thought, this is terrible. You know, YouTube is just taking away everybody's rights. But uh, that's okay. You know, that's their format. We don't charge anything. They don't charge us. And so it's like I'm getting a free service every single week. So, I, you know, you have to live with their... Uh, Really bad policies, really bad policies, but you know, whatever. And uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, okay, so uh, this is not speaking of those who commit the deception. I read that. Okay, the love of the truth is speaking of the gospel of Christ, which alone can save the soul. The word because uh, gives the sense of judicial standing. They had, in fact, been offered the truth, but they turned it down. These people entered the tribulation period because they had refused to check on whether the Christian message was true or not. Okay, now that is obviously, once again, not a uh, complete, uh, what's the word? Uh, it doesn't, it's not a full statement of every person on the earth because there are people on the earth that will not have heard the gospel by the time of the tribulation period. All right, there are people that live in all kinds of parts of the world that have never even heard of Jesus. That's a small percentage by this time but, um, you know, the word is going out. But for the most part, the people that enter into the tribulation period are doing it uh, out of a self-inflicted wound. Okay? They've heard of Jesus. They've heard that there is a Christian message. They haven't been willing to check it out. You know, I, uh, when I uh, first really started reading the Bible, I thought, well, when I went to Malaysia. When I went down to Malaysia... Uh, I figured, you know, I want to know what the people believe. So on the way down, I read the Quran. You know, I was on the airplane and I, uh, I got a copy of the Quran and I read it. And uh, uh, there is no light in that book. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, very dark book. Uh, and it's, it's uh, what do you call it? Got lots of contradictions in it. It's got, it does not match the nature of God at all. But I thought, you know, if I'm going to speak about things, I at least need to be honest and know what they, they teach. And the same thing is true. You want to know if you're going to speak to Buddhists, what do they believe so that you can counter it? But it's it's ridiculous to say what you believe is wrong without even checking it out, right. okay? And uh, I would say most seminaries, I don't know, but I would say most seminaries probably have a general religion course, you know, so you learn what is Buddhism, what is Hinduism, and I had one of those as well. So you learn about the, the uh, religions of the world, what they believe, why they believe it, and, uh, uh, you know, it's always good to do. You know, you should, I would never tell somebody, don't read the Quran. You know, I 
hate to say that because I'd rather have you reading the Bible, but if you want to talk to Muslims, you need to at least know what they believe. And so, uh, you know, read it, but at the same time, make sure you read twice the Bible today, okay? I mean, if you have time to do other things, you should be reading the Bible as well. But I'm not going to tell somebody not to study, not to know different disciplines and different religions and things like that, because you have to know. Anyway, um, they will continue to refuse the message, which obviously will be received by some who will not take the mark of the beast. Hence, the great white multitude. There's going to be many, many people, and they're going to suffer because of it, and they're going to be martyred. I mean, this I just got the new... Uh, uh, Voice of the Martyrs, and you know, just it's the monthly one. It's back there if anybody wants to read it. And this has been going on now for 2,000 years. This isn't anything surprising, okay? It's just getting a lot worse now. It's getting a lot worse as we get closer to the end times. In America, it has mostly not become lethal. Churches have been burned when, you know, you make an abortion decision and people go crazy and burn down a church. And uh, thankfully, it's mostly Catholic churches because they're so vocal about abortion. But um, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, but it's the Catholics that mostly got targeted after Roe versus Wade. But uh, the point is that it's going to continue to get worse, especially with people like Pisaki saying stupid things like that, opening her mouth and saying stupid. Okay, all that's going to do is get people to continue to believe stupidity. It's like when they teach evolution without any proof at all, zero proof of evolution on this planet. Okay, just so you know that that is not an untruth that I just said. <coughs> that is a truth. Right. There is no proof that evolution is true. Hence, it is still called a theory. A theory. That's right. It's the theory of evolution. We take it as an axiom that it's true because we were taught it in school. It does not mean that it is true. And until they find the missing link, the bone that proves evolution, which they never will, it is not true. It is not a valid thing. And to say that the earth is 4.5 billion years old because somebody licked their finger and held their finger up to the wind and decided that's what it is does not make it true, okay? People can believe whatever they want. And if they want to believe that the earth is 4.5 billion or 16.6 billion or whatever year they come out with, we were not there then. No. Okay, I can tell you we were not there. But I will tell you this. I've got to start right there. Let me get my note just so I don't forget where I am. Um, we, uh, uh, I can tell you that if God creates a rock... Okay, this will make it easy. This will make it easy. If God creates a baby and God creates a man, which one looks older? The man. the man. Obviously, he's developed and this is just a little baby. That's just an example. Now, if God creates limestone and God creates igneous rocks and he creates all these other type of rocks and they have the appearance of age, it doesn't mean that they are that old, okay? This one might look like it just came into existence 2,000 years ago because it crumbles in your hand. It's not solidified and it didn't come from an earthquake or, what, or a, a volcano or whatever. But just because something looks that way does not mean that it is that way. Okay, and that's not deceiving. People say, well, then that makes God a deceiver. No, you have misinterpreted the data, okay? Uh, just because it looks like the stars are 4.5 billion years ago doesn't mean, and that the light takes that long to get to us, does not mean that God didn't create the star with the light coming to us. 
He could have done that. He could have created everything with the appearance of age. That doesn't make him a deceiver. That makes him true to the word he has given us. That's the only difference. If his word says he did it in a single day and it looks like it's 4.5 billion years old, then we have to either accept his word or say that it's 4.5 billion years old. It's your choice. But God has said in his word what he did. He said he stretches out the heavens. If he stretched out the heavens and he could have done it any way he wanted, then 4.5 billion years appearance no longer matters. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it entirely, but there is an answer for every single evolutionary uh, thing that you ever want to know if you just go online and watch some of the the, uh, competent sites. Not that there's a lot of really trashy sites out there that you'll be wasting your time with, but there are especially, his theology, somebody asked me about him recently, and I don't know Ken Ham's theology very well. I've read a couple things from him and there were no problems with it. But his geology, his creation geology, his creation analysis matches the Bible very well. And there's always a decent answer. It's not some, okay, I'm just gonna make something up that doesn't make sense. They have, it's not just him, he's got a team of people that work together, okay? They have developed a completely contrary view to the modern view, okay? All this comes back to deception. All of this comes back to deception. Evolution is deception if you believe the Bible. If the Bible isn't true, then the Bible is deception. You have to determine what is truth, okay? And the answer to that, I've said it before, it's a very important thing to remember. What is truth? How do you define truth? Reflects reality. Truth is what corresponds to reality. If this is reality, if this is what actually is, then truth is what corresponds to it. If it doesn't, then it's not true. If evolution does not correspond to reality, then it's not true. And there's no proof that it does. There's no proof that evolution corresponds to reality. So, you know, that doesn't mean it's not true. I'm not arguing that it's not true. I don't believe it's true, but it does not correspond with reality. And until it does, it can't be considered true. Hence, it is a theory. Well, those okay. that claim to follow science, too, you got a lot of them have no idea what science is. Oh, that's right. So they found two bones in a cave in France, and they've determined, man. They've determined that it was 450,000 years old DNA. Yeah. And I go, how did that happen? Yeah, how it's did like, that? That doesn't, even, that doesn't even make any sense. And they're going, hey, there's certain conditions where where DNA can last at least a millennium. millennium and yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a thousand years. Yeah. What are you talking about? So they make, they make stuff up and, yeah, they make stuff up. A little difference. I mean, you know? yeah. But they, the, the Piltdown Man, all of these, years, right? these things that they developed, which first substantiated evolution. Hmm. Yeah, one of them was uh, they found a, a single bone and they developed an entire man out of it. And uh, then they later found out that the bone was from a pig if that's not funny okay but that that was a part of establishing evolution it no longer matters that that isn't true because they have now established evolution into the school system into the minds of the people of the world you go to japan they believe it it doesn't matter where you go they are going to believe the evolutionary model based on what was a lie and there were several others like i said piltdown man and they had some nebraska man None of them were true. They were all based on lies. 
But that no longer matters because it established in the thinking of the people of the world that it is not a young earth. And that's all that mattered to them. It didn't matter that their original premise was wrong. They can now stick (coughs) with the false premise. Okay, so this is the world we live in. Just a couple examples of of, uh, being deceived, but there is going to be a global deception. And like I said, with AI, it just, yeah, it's going to be just unbelievable. Right now, they put out videos of people that you don't know if they're actually real or not. It takes a another computer to check to see if it's even a real computer. And pretty soon that's going to be by the wayside. They're going to have it so perfected that you're not going to know. And then, you know, there are also things, little snippets. They love to do this. Okay. I've always said that if somebody wanted, I said this to Sergio one time and he says, oh, that's a good idea. I'll try it. I never should have said it to him. (laughs) uh, um, If you wanted to make me a heretic, you could do it immediately. Mm-hmm. Go to any sermon where I say, and the Jehovah's Witness say, Jesus is not God. And then they cut that one little bit out. Charlie Garrett says, in 15 different times, you have, Jesus isn't God. Jesus is not God. Je- right now. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> All they need to do is take it, cut it out, put it out on the internet, and say, Charlie Garrett says, and unless you have the context, mm-hmm. and this is what the left in the past two months have done to an extreme I've never seen before. Everything torn out of context and they put it out in the news and it suddenly is true right. to everybody. There's no context at all. And this is the great deception. That, you know, whether you want to have it with religion, with politics, with morals, with it doesn't matter what. Right. All they need to do, it, you know, before people just said something in the pulpit and the week was over and you went home and that was it, okay? now. Everything is recorded, everything is there, and you could take not just the Jesus isn't God, but you could take a hundred statements out of this past year's sermons, maybe more than a hundred, and you could say, Charlie Garrett, the heretic, and blast it all over the internet. How do you defend against something like that? How do you even defend against it? But this is the world that we're living in. So I know nobody likes to watch commercials anymore, but start looking at all the commercials with a skeptical eye as that is that a real person? Yeah. And there are so many, like, okay, that's not a person. That's not. That's, yeah. that's a creation that's a on AI. your screen. That's not even, like, an existing yep. person. But it's he's telling you, all this deception. product is great. I use it all the time. Yeah, it's like, it's all not, deception. You don't use anything. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and, You know, uh, well, it, exactly the same thing is there's this one, um, uh, you know, people get, like, a sore. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember. But anyway, you see it all the time because we're watching something, and it'll come on, on like, we're watching Tubi or something that's free, but you have to watch your stupid commercials. Right, right. And they keep showing the same commercial, and they show people, and they've got the sore, and then they take this medicine, and then the sore is gone. And they show, and it's all fake. You can see how it was it was faked on their arm. It wasn't a real sore, so they're just actors. Um, but while they're showing you this great stuff, if you listen to what the guy is speaking, I always say this to Hidako, did you hear what he said? Uh, can cause loss of teeth, loss of hair. Uh, and then they throw in, they throw in right in the middle, loss of life. And then it goes into dementia, uh, you know, thoughts of suicide. And they go through all the things that are really bad right in the middle. And then they, they taper off with the good stuff again. You know, like, um, you, you know, loss weight. of appetite. Yeah, you might lose weight. So it, it's, be careful when you watch these things. And, you know, I, I have to tell you that when you look at the state of people in America. 
Uh -huh. I've been around the world. I lived in, you know, several countries. You've lived in several countries. You've worked in many countries. So you, you, when you've been around the world and you see most people, you know, we want to stay healthy, but most people don't dwell on being healthy. Americans dwell on their health to an extreme that is unhealthy. You get a headache, you have to take a pill. You know, uh, most people, if they have a headache, they say, well, you know, I'll just, I've been in places where nobody takes any medicine because they just don't have it and they can't afford it. And so we dwell, like we have to be in good shape all the time. And now they're promising, I've gotten several of these emails from people all on the same subject is you now, was it you guys that sent it? You can now live forever. I, it, was it you? Somebody sent this to me it was just yesterday. Um, I, I've seen several of these in the past month, but they, they sent it to me as well. You can now live forever. You will never die. And I thought, uh, the last that thing on this, I, I would never, ever want to live forever in this crummy body. No. Yeah, I just an eternal state of decay. No. Oh, it, 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 horrible. But this is what, this is what people want. They, they're great they deception. Yeah, they don't understand. There is everlasting life, and they don't want that one. They want the one where they can continue to do the depraved things that they do. So this is all the great deception, all right? Um, it, it'll obviously be received by some, but not those who take them, uh, yes, who will not take the mark of the beast. A testimony to the truth will stand, but they will willingly refuse it. That means the bulk of the people. This is, you know, if the great white multitude is 400 million people, I would say that's a great white multitude. Wait, if it's, it... It's not a great white multitude. You, you're conflating. It's the great white throne and it's the great multitude. You don't want people to think... That no, no, no. Please don't. It is the great white multitude. They are given white robes. It's a great multitude are that given, are given white robes. They okay. are given white robes. And I said that earlier. Thank you. Um, so uh, they, they're the great multitude, but I'm specifying who they are. They're the great multitude, the great white multitude. They have been given the robes of righteousness. Okay. So that is who it is. All right. Um, and now I've lost my thought. I told you not to do that. And so there you go. Um Anyway, this is not at all a matter of predestination, such as Calvin would teach, stating that they are condemned apart from hearing the truth, okay? That is not a matter of this at all. Rather, it is a willing refusal to heed the truth, okay? Calvin is wrong on his idea of predestination and on uh, all five points of the tulip are uh, one leads to the other, and so they are all corrupt, okay? It's a bad system of theology. Uh, Calvin may have been a great scholar. He may have had great insights. I don't know, but um, he, uh, uh, his overall systematic theology was incorrect, okay? Uh, when you get into free will, people will say, yes, you can have free will to deny Christ, but you can't have free will to choose Christ. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way, all right? You were given a choice for Christ, okay? That's why we send people out. That's why we have the gospel, all right? That is why we have missionaries, is to get this message of Jesus Christ out, okay? Um, uh, and so these people will willingly refuse to know the truth, just like they do in America today, just like they do in Germany today. You know, I pick on America because we live here, and it's easy for me to say this, but it makes it sound like it's a wholly political thing in America. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. This is a state of people that are rejecting the truth everywhere, okay? 
they're in every nation, everywhere, and it comes down to their own person. You know, um, who was it? Um, D. James Kennedy was giving a sermon and he cited someone. And this guy was at least an honest atheist, okay? He said, our atheism doesn't stem, stem from a lack of believing in God. Our atheism stems from our own sexual mores. Now think about that. Yeah. He was at least guy. honest. Mm -hmm. He's he he is uh he wants to live his life in a perverted way. And this is what people want to do. And you can't do that if you believe in a holy God that will judge you for what you're going to do. Okay? And so he he said this because it's true. And what does that come back to? It comes back to exactly what I said a while ago. It comes back to a rejection of God. A rejection of God and a rejection of the truth. So uh, that's where we are. It is a willing refusal to heed the truth. Okay, this will be seen further as the next verse is introduced. For now, though, Paul simply declares that the, the fact that those who follow Antichrist will not receive the love of the truth. And he says, his words, that they might be saved. The obvious implication is that if they receive it, they would be saved. Salvation, uh, yes, yes, uh, salvation because of the truth of God in Christ does not end with the rapture of the church. I said this already, but, you know, obviously I had it in here as well. Instead, it is that we, that which alone can save at any time and in any dispensation, okay? The gospel will save. And that's why it says in the book of Revelation, an angel flying overhead that has what? the eternal gospel to proclaim or proclaims the eternal gospel or however it says it. It's even in the book of Revelation. The gospel is what saves, okay? People can take things and they can twist them in all sorts of ways. It's like, you know, I, I said I did that video today just hoping that somebody will click on it that wouldn't normally click on one of the other sermon of other things that we put out. And uh, it contains the gospel. And I say in there, I, it's very short. It's only like three minutes long. And I bring up 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4. Now, Paul says this is the gospel. Let me read it to you so you'll, you'll see. And I say it every week. It's not like you haven't heard this every single week. But it was just a, a fuller explanation of it. It says, um, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen, okay, we can stop right there. That's the gospel. The rest of it, this person saw it and this person, okay, the gospel is that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. He says that's the gospel. Do you see anything else in there? Is there anything else written in there other than that? No. That's it. It doesn't say anything else. Well, if that's the gospel, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, okay? He calls this the gospel of our salvation. If that is the gospel, he says it in verse 1, I declare to you the gospel, okay? Why do people keep throwing other things into it? That's what I don't understand. Why do people do that? Why do people have to say you need, and they add in a word that they don't even know what the word means from the Greek, repent, okay? It is not included in there. There's a reason why it's not included in there. But it's probably so that people that don't understand what the word means don't insert it in there. But there are 10 billion permutations of what people want to throw into the simple gospel. 
and all it says is that. If you believe that, you will be saved. I don't understand why people have to take that and to twist it that way. But what I said just here, let me find where I was again. It says, um, uh, he declares the fact that those who follow, where was I? Um, uh, yes, that they might be saved. The obvious implication is that if they did receive it, that they would be saved. Salvation because of the truth of God in Christ does not end with the rapture of the church. Instead, it alone can save at any and in any dispens at any time and in any dispensation. I dropped a paper and I got myself thrown off there. Um, so, however, these people, the ones that reject the truth of God, will willingly receive error and falsity rather than accept the simple gospel of salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith. Thus, their condemnation is just. Okay? It, 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 once again, we are saved by that message. It's gone out, and people don't want to believe that message. And yet, they're spending billions and billions of dollars trying to live forever apart from that message. Mm -hmm. There, anything but to accept the message of God in Christ. Anything. That, I don't understand that. I do not get that. Okay, life application. The words of this verse are true even today. There are countless false cults and religions out there who strive against God, introducing error and falsehood into their theology. But the truth of the message of Christ is available for any who will simply pick up the Bible and read it. But the general condition of man is to follow deception rather than truth. One must willingly put aside self, accept that we have no merit before God, and receive the simple gospel. If we fail to do this, we remain enemies of God, and our condemnation is just. The rapture does not define the end of the gospel. It's just a part of the unfolding redemptive narrative. And when it's over, people will still have the same choice to make. They will still have to commit to the same Savior as before the rapture, okay? There'll be different results for them, just as there are different results for receiving Jesus in Vietnam as there are in America, but it's the same process. They will believe and they will be saved, or they will not believe and they won't be saved. Life application. The words of this verse are, tr I read that. Um, yeah, I've already read the life application. Okay, we're in 211. So we are. For <coughs> this reason. Ask a question. Yeah. <coughs> Another question, because you just asked a question. Okay. In Revelation chapter 6, yeah. it says, Authority is given unto them by this man who sits on the horse, who's called Death. Okay. To slay with the sword a fourth of the people. Okay. So that is the, what people, you said we needed to know what they think. What, what people that, in the book you said that you read coming down to Malaysia? Oh, the Koran? The Koran. Oh, yeah. Well, that could be. And I don't deny that. But at the same time, it could be that the sword is being used metaphorically. Well, it could be. Well, the sword is the word of God. Well, that's, you know. Metaphorically Yeah, obviously in the Old Testament. What I'm saying is that, you know, we have an obvious tank battle that is going on in, what is it, Revelation, whatever, you know, where the uh, the beasts uh, spit fire out of their mouth and their t tails are like snakes. And it is no doubt, speaking of a tank battle, 
and that's metaphorically because he didn't understand what a what a tank was. And so uh, Revelation, you know, I'm not one to be dogmatic about uh, the sword in that context being only Islam. Well, I understand, but you know, saying somebody is slave with the sword is, you know, it could be taken metaphorically. I do agree that Islam slays with the sword. They behead people and, you know, that happens. But I, I'm not going to be dogmatic about something that hasn't happened where he could be using, you know, a terminology to slay with the sword. You know, David uses the term the sword in the Psalms. Then he's speaking of a real sword, but it's not literally being used, right? So, yes. Yes and no. I just don't want to be dogmatic about that because if I am and I'm wrong, then I've taught incorrectly. But I will agree, I have no doubt, and I probably even included in the commentary of Revelation, if you went and looked at those verses, that Islam is a good choice for this because of that. And there are all kinds of things like that in Revelation. But to not give alternate opinions on something that hasn't happened yet, I don't think is a good thing to do. So, uh, but I do agree, once again, that Islam is a key part of the end times. But at the same time, they are a religion. And so, you know, I don't know how far religion is going to extend into the graces of the Antichrist, okay? Buddhists are, have their own religion, and, you know, all these people have their own religion. The one thing that we do know, absolutely certainly, is that Christianity is not going to be in favor. We know that. Okay, there's 100%. The rest of the religions, I don't know how that's going to extend, okay? Because we're still going to have a false prophet, right? We've got the, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the Pope is going to be up there. I'm pretty certain that that is the position of the false prophet. But, um, so there's going to be a form of Christianity. It's just not going to be anything like it is today. So, anyway, I don't know. I don't want to speak against what you said. I just don't want to say that, yes, I agree 100%. I'm just... This goes back to this. He said it's given unto him in, in our First Thessalonians here. Power is given unto him. Yep. Uh, and then this person in Revelation says power is given unto yep. these people. But what does the guy on the white horse have? Well, that's a false. Well, I, under, I understand, but he's got a bow. Nobody uses a bow today. He doesn't have any arrows with it, yeah. and, you know, that's obviously missing. But, you know, there, there are things that are used in Scripture that uh, can be taken in, you know, metaphorically. It can mean death, like when you kill somebody with the sword. It doesn't mean that he was killed with the sword, but it means that he died, okay, uh, in some way or another. So, I, you know, I, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but I, I wouldn't be dogmatic about Islam being the only force at that time, okay, just because, you know, they are a big part of the world, and that may be the case. But, you know, slaying with the sword may extend beyond that. Okay, a fourth of the people of the world. And what are the other ones? I mean, I, I wasn't really prepared for that question. But. Yeah. And so what we yeah, have, the four angels. And so uh, my guess is that the angels aren't actually the ones doing it. They're allowing this force to come out. Uh, in that one. So uh, the army of the horsemen was 200 million. Oh yeah, the horsemen. Uh, just really quickly, just because I said it, we might as well do it. Now, now think of a tank battle when we, I'm glad you found that. It's Revelation 9. Um, where was I? Okay, 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Think, uh, you couldn't describe it better if you'd never seen a tank. 
you couldn't describe it any better. That This is a horse, but it's not a horse, okay? Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow, okay? They're national standards, like the EU or America or whatever, okay? They, so they have that painted on them. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. What does a lion do? Roars, okay? So the heads roar. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. What comes out of the mouth of a tank? Fire, smoke, and brimstone, okay? By uh, these plagues, a third of mankind was killed. So you either have a third of actual mankind or a third of the mankind in the battle. We don't know that for certain. So, how are you? Good, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. Is that for us? Yes, it is. Did somebody order that? Yeah, I did. Oh, from, you're kidding. It's from, uh, compliments well, from Roman you're oh, you're wow. very nice. Thank you. Thank we you. have pizza tonight. <laughs> Freebie. And you didn't know this. I had no idea. I had no idea. That was very, very nice. You guys are good to us. Oh, boy. Well, come here. Give me a fist bump. Thank you very, very much. God bless. You're our hero today. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness gracious. We were just talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so we have pizza. And so uh, you guys don't have to feel bad. You missed pizza a week ago because here it is. Okay, so we have... Um, uh, where was I? Came fire, smoke, and brimstone. Uh, you have the, uh, they were killed by, yeah, take some candy. That's good stuff. Say hi to Wa, please. All right. Um, okay, uh, by the fire and br smoke and brimstone, which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth. Think of the, the roaring of the thing. That's where their power is, okay? And in their tails, for their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. Well, what's on the back of every tank on the planet? Or they can swing it around. They've got a machine gun. And it sounds just like a snake. I mean, he's describing something that he doesn't know what it is. You know, okay, so. Um, but the rest of the men did, okay. And then we go down a little further and we have, um, where is the uh, where is the one with the, uh, the, the planes that are flying? And it says uh, the locusts. And he describes... Perfect. He's not describing, uh, people love to say it, it sounds like helicopters. It doesn't, okay? And I'll show you why. And here it is. Um, uh, this is um, uh, Revelation 9, 7. The shape of the locusts was <laughs> like horses prepared for battle. Now, have you ever listened to or seen Ben-Hur? Yeah. Okay. If you close your eyes when you listen to the chariot horses, they sound exactly, not close they sound exactly like a jet plane flying by exactly do it next time you hear a horse race or just go to ben-hur horse racing close your eyes and listen okay um uh the shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle on their heads were crowns of something like gold every single jet fighter has a micron thick layer of gold in the cockpit to protect them from the radiation that's coming in because they're in these high altitudes. So it's actually gold-lined, and that's why they look gold when you look at them, is because you're seeing that gold reflecting back, okay? So, something like gold in their faces were like the faces of men. Well, what's in a cockpit? And you see them looking around. You see the face of a man. They had hair like women's hair. Now you're seeing them fly by. What follows an airplane? The contrails. It looks just like a woman's hair, okay? Uh, their, uh, uh, their teeth were like lion's teeth. What do they paint on the front of war planes during wartime? Everybody loves to do it. They Lion's teeth or tiger's teeth or shark teeth or whatever, okay? He's seeing a battle. 
That's what he's saying. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. You, you know, if you take the A-10 Warhog, you couldn't have a better description. I mean, they, it's a bathtub. That's all it is. It's a flying bathtub that you shoot up and you it ping, ping right off the bottom of the thing. That's the only, only plane that I know of that was ever designed around what? The weapon. Right. It's the Gal Gatling gun. They said, we want this to fly. And so they built the airplane around this gun. That's why, and to protect what's in there, they have this bathtub around the guy. So it's got breastplates like iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running to battle. Now that you've heard that, go and listen to Ben-Hur on the thing tonight. Just close your eyes and listen. You'll say, that sounds just like an air, a jet plane taking off, flying, or landing. Just like it, okay? So, um, once again, I don't want to be dogmatic about the, the they're killed with the sword. It's probably true, and I think I say that in my commentary. Islam is a good point for that. I'd have to go back and read the commentary because it was years ago when I read, wrote it. But I don't want to be dogmatic that that is the only option because it is a devouring instrument that kills souls. Hey, Thor, how are you? And do you think that, that in Islam would, would go for the one religion Thing. It's like, you know, I don't see them. No, anybody. I would, no, not at all. Thor, no. would you like a piece of pizza? Faith, maybe? Oh, no. Okay, because he brought us a, a freebie today. We got a freebie pizza. So, all right, okay. Um, so, we got to get back to this. Uh, we got plenty of time. Um, uh, where are we? Oh, oh, I made a mark so I would remember where I was. Or was that earlier? Oh, we're in 211 now. Okay, yeah, 211. Go ahead. Yeah, we got a. Hey, that's, thank you. For this reason, God sent some powerful delusions so that they will believe the lie. Okay, and then this one says 11, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Heretic. Okay. Um, <laughs> they say, well, this one says should. Okay. Um, uh, and for this reason, that's Paul's words, is given based on what had just been said in the previous two verses. Antichrist will come according to the working of Satan. He will be infused with Satan's power, signs, and lying wonders, as well as with all unrighteous deception. This will be, Paul's words, among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And because they preferred the lies and false powers of Satan over the truth, a natural response results. It is that, Paul's words again, God will send them strong delusion. Okay, now, this is where I say they will take uh, Paul's words out of context. This is another place where they do it. It says, because, uh, where was it? Um, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And they say, well, see, they didn't receive the gospel, and so they might be saved. That means to them that the gospel ends at the rapture, okay? And so that is a verse taken out of context. The gospel is the everlasting gospel. It's mentioned in the book of Revelation, and therefore the gospel continues. It is the only thing that can save. And if somebody turns it down today and he turns it down tomorrow and he accepts it the next day, he's going to be saved. And there are people that will do that after the rapture. They will say, you know, I, I really should have received Jesus. I know it's coming. I was warned about this. My friend that I told you gave me that uh, uh, link for his website that I did the video out of today. He's got an entire website. And I think I've said it before. He's got a whole website set up for 
people that are left behind. He's got everything. He's got copies of the Bible that cannot be, you know, they're not linked to a, a website because if that website gets taken down, then, so he's got those uploaded. He's got videos uploaded. He's got all kinds of stuff on this site so that people can be saved and know what to do during the tribulation period. I don't remember the site right off the top of my head, but I'll try to remember to get it and say it again because it's important just once in a while to be reminded of these things. Um, He's got it all set up, you know, just just in case. You never know what the Lord is going to do after the rapture. But um, I woke up this morning. I was so excited. I listen every day to, uh, I told you, I listen to the commentary that she does. Joey does it. She puts it in its scrolls, and I've got that going. And then I listen to Daniel as he reads it over in the UK. And he's gotten in the habit over the past month or two months or whatever. Every single day he says, maybe today. And I get so excited. And so the rest of the day I'm, I'm walking around thinking, Maybe today uh, we're still here, but we still got, I don't know, another five hours and 54 minutes of today. So we'll see. Um, let's see here. Uh, the Greek, uh, yes, God will send them strong delusion. The Greek literally reads a working of error. It is an active power of misleading, and it is, it is ascribed to God. However, as a Hebraism, it doesn't require actual direct positive influence by God. A classic example of this process is found in the hardening of anybody? Pharaoh's heart in the Exodus account prior to the actual Exodus from Egypt. It says again and again, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And God didn't have to do anything. The way he did it is Pharaoh was told by Moses that I am going to, uh, I, I want you to release my people. And Pharaoh says, I'm not going to do that. And he says, okay, I've got a sign for you. And he shows them the sign. And what does the uh, people of Pharaoh do? They do the exact same sign. That's hardening his heart. God isn't actively hardening his heart. He knows what will harden. This guy is going to harden his own heart. He sees his people make a snake and Moses makes a snake. And he says, we can do that. Your God isn't very great. Moses snake happens to eat his, but he overlooks that. And then he does another one. He makes the uh, Nile turn bloody and his own people do it. And he's slowly but surely hardening his heart, but Pharaoh is the one that's actually hardening his heart. So to say that God is sending a strong delusion does not mean that God is actively sending a strong delusion. He is deluding, he's allowing people to delude themselves through the process that he has selected. Pharaoh didn't believe. And every step that God took hardened his heart a little more. And it wasn't just, you know, making comparable miracles because all of a sudden something comes along. I think it was the fleas or whatever. And, uh, you know, we can't do this. This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh says, well, it's not that terrible. He's already, you know, hardened. So he says, we're going to take that. And he takes another one. And then what does he do? He said, okay, your people can go, but only the men. And he says, oh, no, you know, we got to take the women and children too. And so Pharaoh says, no way. Okay. Then they come back and Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. And he says, um, everybody can go. And he says, uh, well, we need to take flocks. And he says, well, you know, he says, we have to take them all because we don't know how many we have to sacrifice to God. And Pharaoh says, that's not going to happen. So it is a hardening of Pharaoh's heart that is accomplished in Pharaoh, even if God is the one that directed it. Okay. What we have to do is say, I'm going to stop bucking against God. That's what we need to do. And in not bucking against God, then we will have our own hearts softened. And how do we know this is true? 
because we got people in our own family that resisted the gospel for years and years and years and years. And finally, they said, I'm not going to resist anymore. And they came to Jesus. May have happened to you, may not have happened to you, but we've seen it in people's lives where somebody finally says, I'm no longer going to resist. And we know that God does not actively say that person can't be saved. He doesn't do that. He wants that person to be saved or his word is not true because it says that by Peter that God wants all to be saved, all to come to a saving repentance of... Okay. Okay, 2 Peter 3, 8 or 9. I didn't finish it, but anyway, um, uh, you get the point. So, once again, be very careful with how things are termed. And, you know, another thing is that if, I love to say this because it's something I'm passionate about, if you read one version of the Bible and they have an error in their translation, I'm talking about something that is logically wrong, something that is not correct verbally, then you say, well, this is God's only word, and you're reading something incorrect, now you have an incorrect interpretation of what God is saying, okay? And so it is always best to not be captivated by a single translation, translation yeah. of Scripture. It is not a good thing. Because if you do that, then you are limiting yourself to whatever man has translated out of God's word when they could and are be wrong at times, okay? So uh, you just have to be careful with that, all right? Um, I, I, was, I have to laugh about it. Every time I think, the simplest thing to refute the King James Version, I, every day I translate each verse that I'm doing. And I would say that 92.3% of the time, the single verse that I've translated has got an error from the King James Version. Now, I'm not talking about something that is theologically wrong. I'm talking about this is a noun and they use an adverb or something like that. But if you're going to say that this is what the Greek says and you need to know this, then they should be precise. And so I count it as a demerit. But the, the thing that I think is the most pronounced uh, evidence that their King James Version is not. And I, I was so uh, interested to see if the actual original, the original King James, which is really hard to read if you've ever seen it, it's really hard to read, but if you go to it, they have it right online, you can read the original, 1611, the first copy that ever came out. I wanted to see if that says what the current one says, and it does. In the first sentence of the Bible, in the heaven in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's incorrect. It's not a correct translation. The first sentence in all of the King James Version is incorrect. It doesn't say that. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. There's actually importance in that, okay? And it says it two or three more times in the first chapter, and they say heavens one time, they say heaven here. It's, it's not a well-thought-out translation. But... Heretic. It, it's just, it, it, it's almost comedic that people hold to this, like they, the Jehovah's Witnesses hold to what they're teaching. They hold to it without ever checking. And I just, you know, if, if you want to see somebody just absolutely flip out when they're arguing for the King James Version, say the first sentence is wrong. How many more do you need? Nice. Whatever. Okay. Um, so but, we got a Hebraism there. What? I'm just laughing because... You'll sit. You'll uh, you'll go read. So the Greek does not say that. The Hebrew does not say that. Well, then they're wrong. I don't care. Yeah. Because I don't speak Greek or Hebrew. It's like <laughs> that's what the Bible's been coming over. Yeah. The original documents. It's it's yeah. insane. And they to had the to translate it from that. Right. At least you'd think they'd be competent to do that. No. No. Carefully following along in that account, 
different words are used to describe this hardening process, talking about the delusion from God or the hardening of Pharaoh. In this case, the hardening of Pharaoh. God acts, Pharaoh responds. Each step Pharaoh is progressively built up in the hardness of his own heart. It will often state, but Pharaoh hardened his heart. It's acknowledging that what God is doing is allowing Pharaoh to, because he knows the man. God knows who this man is. He wants to glorify himself in the world through a given people. That's the purpose of what he's doing. He knows that this man is the right man at the right time in human history to make this happen. And so he calls his people out of Egypt and he does it with a guy that cannot refuse himself. He can't do it. And so he just keeps hardening his own heart. God knows everything, everything, every single detail. So Pharaoh hardened his heart. And yet at other times it states, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. So it's a working together. And when God sends a great delusion, he knows who's going to be saved and he knows who's going to further harden. He knows this. And so he is glorifying himself because he's given us this word that tells every single thing in a general sense so that when it happens, you will know that this is the word of God and they're going to disregard it. They're going to say, that doesn't matter. Just like what you just said about that. It doesn't, people don't care. They don't care. They want to, they're going to knuckle down and they're going to believe what they want to believe all by themselves. But the, so you, you just said that the, the, the statement goes, what, what is prophecy? Prophecy is not for prediction, No. but it's for giving credit Confirmation. to God when it That's happens. Right. It's like he said it was going to happen. That is exactly right. I, it, it is there for God to be glorified through right. it. It is this process which will come about in the people of the world. The working of error, Paul's words, will be begun by God, but it will be responded to by people in a way which they carry the blame for their own actions. God isn't purposely condemning anybody. He's just revealing the human heart to people in themselves so that when they stand before him, they, will, they can't say, you did this. They will say, I did this to myself, just like we always do. You got people in courtrooms, if they're willing to admit that they were wrong, they'll say, I did it to myself. You know, I, in a fit of anger, I shot my wife and I did it to myself. And the rest of the life they're sitting in a prison, they know. And some people will never come to that point. They just continue to harden themselves. She got what she deserved. I didn't do it. It was all her. You know, this is the human heart. God is revealing himself to us in this way. Okay. So um, to understand this, we can use a box, boxing match as an example. Boxer A wants to defeat his enemy, but he wants to do it in a particular way, demonstrating that he has total control over the match. He goes into the ring and actively throws a weak, ineffective punch. Remember Muhammad Ali, the rope-a-dope and all the things he did, right? Okay, the opponent perceives this as a foe who's not up to the challenge. He takes the offensive, expending energy, which should be kept in reserve. Boxer A responds with a bit more force, but still with a perceived ineffective approach. The foe hardens his heart and comes back with his own elevated response. This continues step by step, exactly as it did with the Lord and Pharaoh. Pharaoh was lulled into complete destruction because of the incremental nature of the war against him. Boxer A eventually destroys his foe because his foe has slowly grown more frustrated and thus more reckless as the match intensified. 
In the end, Pharaoh was willing to do the unthinkable by driving his army between walls of water in order to pursue his enemies. The working of error on God's part was fully effective in allowing Pharaoh to utterly destroy himself and his army. Boxer A stands over his opponent who is down for the count. It's that simple. This is how God works in such matters, and there are other such examples in Scripture. Each is given so that his enemies believe the lie. God does not lie, but rather the lie is formed in their own minds by accepting the situation around them as if it is within their control, when in fact it is completely within the control of God. If you don't believe that, every single thing. You know, I was watching a, a video on a, a you know, a, what do you call it, a microorganisms, and they're living and they're dying. And one of them, you know, I, I may have brought this guy up before. I saw it again this week. It came up and it's so sad to watch. It's just a little single cell amoeba. Then he's just floating around on the, uh, you know, they got the slide and there, and he starts little pieces of them are falling off. Well, just kind of coming off of them. And eventually, he just dissolves, and they say, this is the moment that we would call it death, okay? It must know it's dying, but there's a point where it just suddenly no longer exists. And God knew that. And here I'm watching this thing, and I'm feeling bad for something that happens 18 billion times a moment in our stomach. I mean, that our stomach is a factory of death and re-life. It, 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 it just goes on and on and on. This is one teeny little thing. Wastewater plant is a stomach on steroids, okay? I know, I was there for years and years. We're talking about millions of gallons, and every single day we do what's called wasting sludge. You got too much, you need to get rid of some of it, and so you pump it into a, a tank, which is a, a digestion tank, and it does exactly that. It digests everything. All the living organisms eat themselves, and it's all inert material when it leaves the plant. But we're every day wasting probably 50 trillion little organisms, just like that one that I was feeling sorry for as it's dying. <laughs> Literally. I mean, it's, some of them are rot rotifers, which are part of the animal kingdom. They're fun to watch. They get these little things and they're cutting into stuff and it, it's just unbelievable. Okay? God knows every single rotifer that ever existed. He knows every star that is out there. If he knows these things, he knows your life. He knows your needs and he knows every single thing that is going to happen in the end times. We don't need to worry about the future. We don't need to worry about whether God is actually going to save us or if he said he's going to, believe me, God is going to save us. So man thinks it's okay to have your machine watch you every moment of your life, but God forbid that it be your creator. Yeah, your creator you watching every, every single detail. They that. think they've got it all figured out and they control the world when God, to them, they're just a blip. They're just a blip in time. They are not the redeemed of the Lord and they're going to be gone. So it's just like a rotifer, just like a stocciliot or an amoeba. There, you know, we used to have to count how many amoebas, how many uh, stocciliots and how many, all these different things. We counted them every day to know how healthy the sludge was, how old it was. If it's too old, you got to waste more. If it's too young, you got to waste less. And there were other things you took it. You had to do like 15 different types of tests to make sure, but one will confirm it. Another one will confirm the confirmation pretty soon. You know exactly what's going on. Just like a doctor when he checks you out. Okay, so if we can do that with a sewer, 
I mean, God is way, way more intelligent than we are, folks. Your your destiny is okay. Don't don't sweat that. I got to go. We're running out of time. Let's see here. Um, God is in completely in control. This is important to understand because there were those under Pharaoh who understood what was happening. They told Pharaoh that what was occurring was the finger of God. They specifically said it. Exodus 8, 19, yes, 8, 19. They also implored him saying, do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? They, I mean, they exclaimed it to him in Exodus 10, 7. And when Israel went out of Egypt, here it is. I was thinking this earlier. I'm so glad because I forgot that I was going to say this. Listen to this. A mixed multitude went with them. People that believed. People that said, I am sticking with that guy's God. Free will, folks. Mm. And when, it, yeah, mixed multitude went with them, understanding that the Lord was leading them. The, the Jews hate the mixed multitude. They hate the fact that they were in there, and they write all kinds of polemics about them, even to this day. I brought one up in a sermon about five months ago, okay? Those are the people that had faith. Those are the people that went out with the redeemed of the Lord. Whatever God is doing for Israel, he's going to do it for me. Such instances show us that what will occur is God-directed, and each person will have to make his own choice. The majority of the earth will follow Antichrist and be destroyed. Self-destruction will come upon them. However, the Bible speaks of a great white multitude who will come out of the great tribulation who are comprised of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. They're in Revelation 7. They will not be caught up in the working of error that comes upon the world, but rather they will be willing to die for the God that they had once rejected, but came to realize he is the one true God. This is what's going to happen here. Life application. That which has been will be again. In order to understand what lies ahead, we can look at what has already occurred. The Bible shows us the depravity of man. It shows us the hardness of the human heart as well. But it also shows us the remedy for these things. It is to love the truth and to trust in Christ Jesus. In this, man can and man will be saved. This is the glory of what God has done. This is what we preach at the superior word. This is what you should believe, is that God is in control. Yes, bad things come upon good people. We're all going to have difficult times, okay? I'm going to have a really difficult time in 11 more days. She's leaving. She's leaving. She's, and she might be gone one or two or three months. As long as she wants to be with that grandchild, she can be with that grandchild. But she's leaving a week early to make sure that she's there. She's a nurse. I told her, you go into that delivery room, and I want you to be a part of that. Okay? But I will be having, however long she's gone, what I call ploppy food. <laughs> Open can, plop. Okay? So I, we all have difficulties in life. Mine is feeding myself. I've never been responsible for that. She always has made a good meal. Always. And so when she's not around, which happens from time to time, she used to go to Japan every year. And so I would feed myself with whatever was the most expedient thing to do. Okay? And that's the way it is. And I'll be fine. And the dogs will be fine. She's all worried about those dogs, I think, more than me. But anyway, uh, consider that, that God has it all under control. Everything's going to be okay. 
we're in good shape and we're going to close five minutes early. Heavenly Father, thank you for Tom and Wah who have given us pizza tonight. That was real grace. Thank you, Lord. We just uh, pray that you will give them a blessing tonight and uh, overflow them with just uh, people and with uh, happy times tonight and uh, in the week ahead as well. And Lord, uh, we thank you for the chance to look into your word and to know that even if we don't have all the eyes uh, crossed and all the T's dotted in our theology, that we at least uh, know the basics is that Jesus has died for our sins and that everything will be okay with us because of that. And uh, help us to grow, though, so that our eyes become T's and T's become eyes properly. And uh, we thank you and we praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Tom and Wah. Tom and Wah. Yeah, when you see her, you go, Wah. Wah. Yes. Okay. Wah, did you say? Good, good, good. Let me uh, back up the camera, and we've got to say goodbye to the folks. And then go in and get some pizza, please. Go in and get some pizza. Let's see. We're going to back this up. Say, uh, break, break, break. Yes. Okay.